How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to edition number 26 of Joe vs. the World. Uh, we were originally planning to have Rob Naylor back on, but he had to reschedule, and we'll be on the next show, hopefully. But courageously stepping up in his place is the newest member of the four-timers club. He's back to talk Ring of Honor. It's Matt Feuerstein. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm happy that I've, uh, I believe I have um, beaten Justin Shapiro, who is only at three and a half appearances. That's true. If you count his um, appearance with the Cubs fan as a half appearance, this would put you in the lead. Uh-huh. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And um, we are back to discuss Ring of Honor. I was at Friday's show. You were at Saturday's show. And um, sure. let me say off the start that, seriously, God bless Ring of Honor, because... When I look at the goings-on in wrestling the, the past couple weeks, uh, Cyber Sunday, the TNA spoilers, I'm very glad Ring of Honor is around because it's it's not perfect, but good God, I would not care about U.S. wrestling if it wasn't for that. Yeah, yeah. I was always one of those guys who was just, you know, who would pretty much watch no matter what, like, the good times, the bad times. I was kind of, you know, I was just an addict that was just in my blood. But I honestly think that if it hadn't been for Ring of Honor, I would not be watching wrestling right now. Except maybe, you know, Japanese tapes here and there, but it's just gotten beyond bad. Like I can't, I, I really can't believe how bad WWE has been for such like a consistent amount of time. Mm. You know, they've always had um, periods where they where they get into a lot of goofy stuff for a while, and then they kind of go back to more serious wrestling oriented stuff. But this has been at least what a year and a half of just nonstop awful programming week after week. I mean, there are bits of good stuff now and then, but you look at... I mean, I look at the three-way main event from Cyber Sunday. It's like, who cares? Why, why should I pay 40 bucks for this? And also, the good, the good stuff is kind of de-emphasized. Like, yeah. you know, like Chris Benoit and William Regal and Fick Finley, yeah, they have really good matches, but they don't mean anything, and it's not like you see the crowd reacting like crazy to them or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that, and I still like those matches a lot, but to me... You know, I, I miss the, the days, which really weren't all that long ago when you can order a WWE pay-per-view and see a really great match with that really feels like it's important, you know, at least a few times a year. Yeah. Well, we will uh, we will not focus on the negative. We will accentuate the positive, talking about Ring of Honor. And Friday was the first Boston show since September 05, I believe, when they had Survival of the Fittest, so over a year. And they drew 600, which they have to be happy with. That's not only a good crowd for a Friday, it's a good crowd for Boston, period. Yeah, I, yes, I, I believe that that's one of the bigger crowds they've ever drawn in Boston, right? I think the only one bigger may have been when Liger came in that Friday for the right, first right. Uh, weekend of Thunder. That, I think they had about 700, but yeah, this was one of the bigger ones we've had. And um, time to rant again. Uh, these Friday shows are going to be the death of me, I swear, because Friday means uh, traffic. And uh, Friday Boston traffic, yeah, ugh. I mean, also y- just. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Now, also, just the Friday shows are tougher because you know you tend to have to get up earlier on Fridays for work and what have you, sure. and then the shows go late because they start a little bit later than the Saturday ones do. So mm. they're a little bit tougher for the for the crowd and everything. But uh, as long as they keep putting out good stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, traffic's bad when when they allow people to use the breakdown lane as an extra lane. <laughs> what? So. Anyway, on to the Friday show itself. I don't know the names of these shows, but we'll just call this the, the Friday show. And we had some pre-show uh, hijinks. We had the first match. We had Bobby Dempsey, Rhett Titus, and Mitch Franklin beating Alex Sugarfoot Payne, Thomas Penmanship, who is a uh, local wrestler for Chaotic Wrestling, and Ernie Osiris, who I thought was Eddie Osiris, but I guess it's Ernie. 
is he's a, a trainee, right? He's been on some other pre-shows. Um, name rings a bell, but I certainly couldn't picture him. Yeah, Ernie. I, I tried to think of another wrestler named Ernie, and I came up with uh, Ernie Ladd, the big cat, but Ernie, God. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Mr. Osiris had a tough night, because he, uh, he got knocked out legit, I think from a Bobby Dempsey headbutt, and I mean... He was out like his, his partners had to run in and drag him over to the corner so they could tag themselves in. And um, a tough night. And uh, Eddie's team lost one way or another. I, I kind of forget. But Anyway, match two, we had Shane Hagedorn beating Pelly Primo to retain his uh, top-of-the-class trophy. And I, I, I like Hagedorn. I think he's okay, but he does the most generic heel stuff ever. Like, he looks at the crowd and says, Hey, shut up. Give me the respect I deserve. And it's like, you know, ugh. Yeah, I would say it was uh, old school Memphis stuff, but uh, actually, if you watch him, it's more like old school 1985 WWF jobber stuff. Yeah, like it's uh, you know, I mean, but you know, hopefully he'll improve. I know he's still a young, and I don't mean to harp on him, but yeah. still, it's like a Mad Libs promo, you know. But anyway, he uh, tried to use the trophy on uh, Pele, but when the ref took it, he took some knucks out of his trunks instead and got the pin. So there you go, and the trophy was not done uh, tonight. Yeah, quite the uh, quite the difference in uh, Pelle Primo's Friday and his Saturday. Yes, Pelle Primo had a much better Saturday than a Friday. But going on to the main show, we had Nigel McGuinness coming out. He had an open contract and announced his mystery opponent was the returning John Walters, which I'm sure excited uh, everyone. I'm I'm one of the few people who would actually kind of did excite because. You know, I mean, not that I was I was crazy about John Walters, but I, you know, I, I liked him. I thought he was a good addition to the roster, and they could use him right around now, especially if Danielson's going to be away some of the time, and if he's going to be going out with surgery after he loses the belt. You know, to have that that mat wrestling stuff. You know, even if it's just on a cold undercard match. Mm. I mean, if Walters is back, great. If he never shows up again, I don't have a big problem with that either. It's you know, he's just uh, kind of there. But they had a they had a good opener. Uh, Nigel worked the arm a lot, and um, Walters got the kick out of a Tower of London and the the rebound clothesline, but got pinned after a second Tower of London. So, you know, totally fine opener. Um, Nigel put uh, Walters over afterwards. So I don't know if he'll be back. Maybe maybe not. We shall see. Any uh, any differences in Walters since the last time we saw him? No, looked the same. Wrestled pretty much the same. I he'd been gone for a. Well yeah, over a year, two, I think. Almost two years. It was March wow. of uh, 05. I think the Trios tournament was the last uh, show he was on. Oh, so no, no, no noticeable differences. So mm-hmm. then right. we had a... Oh, go ahead. I said all right. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Next we had a Shimmer special. We had Mercedes Martinez beating Daisy Hayes with the Fishman Buster. Totally fine. The the crowd was more into it than the, the Destiny show, probably because uh, Mercedes is fairly local from Connecticut. And afterwards, Lacey ran down, berated Daisy for losing again, and slapped her before she got chased to the back. So I don't know if that'll continue on a Shimmer show or an ROH angle, but there you go. Yeah, I didn't. I hadn't heard anything about that angle before I read the results for this. Yeah. Uh, match three, we had Christopher Daniels, accompanied by Matt Seidel and Allison Danger, against Chris Hero with Claudio Castagnoli. And uh, Hero and Claudio made their entrance through the crowd, walked uh, right by me, and... And some fat guy was changing his shirt, and uh, Chris Hero took the time to yell at him to put some clothes on. So I hope that makes tape. And um, this match was so great. I love Hero and Claudio because they're right out of, like, 1987, and it's awesome. 
like they 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 hug each other. Like Claudio covers Chris's ears to don't hear the chants. Claudio tries to quiet the crowd down when they're cheering for Daniels, which I which I, I love that because I'm sure the crowd's gonna react like, well, this bad man who we dislike wants us to stop doing something, so we we better stop. But Daniels won a very basic match reversing a roll up, and uh, it was cool. Yeah, that's a that's a match that I was uh, very interested in when I uh, when I heard it was announced, and it sounds like it lived up at least to some degree. It did. It, they they didn't really do like a whole lot, but they didn't have to because the crowd was right, all over exactly. Hero. And yeah, um, Hero Hero's the kind of guy who doesn't have to do a lot, but his no. matches are still good. Yeah. And uh, anyway, Daniels chased Chris Hero out of the building, and uh, that led us right to Matt Seidel beating Claudio with. Uh, a perfect shooting star press, and uh, Seidel's high flying was really off the charts. I mean, a lot of original stuff that was just like flawlessly done. And um, he backed off Claudio off the top for uh, reversing a top rope Ricola bomb and hit the shooting star press for the win. And uh, another totally fine match. Yep, sounds good. Yep, all right. <laughs> Up next, we had Steve Carino and the Briscoes beating Homicide Smojo and BJ Whitmer. Kind of, you kind of expected Homicide to lose with the the Homicide uh, Carino match the next night. That's pretty much what happened. We had a very heated brawl on the floor to start. Uh, got back in the ring, settled down a, a bit, and um, ended when Jay pinned Homicide after a spike J driller, and uh, Carino threatened to kill Homicide the next night. So pretty basic booking. Shane Hagedorn was at ringside for reasons I'm not entirely clear with, but uh, Joe broke his trophy post match. And the only thing to note is Karina was resplendent in his manly pink tights tonight. <laughs> As usual these days. Um, it seems like for some reason they're they're moving towards something of a Samoa Joe versus Shane Hagedorn program, which is kind oh of one of the weirdest things I've ever heard in my life. But, yeah, they were teasing it on last week's shows in the Midwest, too. And so, I mean, I imagine they'll have a match at some point, and I can't imagine it being anything other than Joe squashing him, but... You know, whatever whatever floats their boat. They, I guess. They've been doing a lot. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. That's all I had to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of these uh, all-over-the-place brawls involving Homicide and the Briscoes, but uh, you know, they keep getting good reviews, so, you know, I'll wait till I see them. But, uh, you, know, you know, it sounds like good stuff. It's a little bit repetitive. Yeah. It, it fits in good on a show where you have high-flying match, the one before, and a, a very basic match before that, and now you have a, a big, wild brawl that... It's not like really anything else in the card. Right. Oof. Uh, then we had intermission. We had Colt Cabana beating Jimmy Rave. Crowd chanted, where's your toe at Cabana? And the ref did check Colt and confirm he had uh, ten toes. Um, it was a fun comedy match. Uh, basic stuff, post-intermission, very short. And uh, Colt won with a, a reverse Boston Crab of sorts. And this is also one of the last toilet paper showers we'll see for Mr. Jimmy Rave. Yep, and they did an angle uh, the following night to kind of explain that, but we'll get to that later. All right, is uh, Jimmy's doing, I guess, a, a losing match uh, streak because Prince Nana's gone, and they're doing the he's lost without Prince Nana, so in the embassy. Am I right yeah. in that, or am I just making stuff up? I mean, based on a couple of shows, it seems like that's what they're doing, but um, like, like he's he's lost, but also that he's um, like getting more and more frustrated and snapping at various points. So, um, yeah, I'll, we'll see where that goes. I'm not sure if I expect that to really work in getting him over, but, you know, you can't, and I guess you have to wait and see. I guess. And um, I like how when they announced uh, toilet paper would be banned from shows, they they did say it would still be allowed in the bathroom. So thanks, Gabe. That's uh, very good to know. Yeah. 
Up next, we had Brian Danielson beating Delirious in an ROH title match. Not a lot of heat for this one. I mean, I don't think anyone gave Delirious a chance in hell of winning. And the match itself was a little disappointing. Not bad, just not up to Danielson's usual high standards for title defenses. And um, he reversed a uh, Delirious' submission move into a pinning hold for the win. So, there you go. So did you uh, get a chance to see uh, either, of the, either of the other Delirious versus Danielson matches from uh, the, the past spring? I did see the one from the 100th show, and uh, I did like that better than this one. Yeah. So I, I have not seen the other one yet. But. Right. Main event time, we had Austin Aries and Roderick Strong beating Kenta and Davey Richards. And it's Ooh. weird that like less than a week before, Kenta was headlining Budokan, and now here he is ripping it up in a, a, an armory in uh, in Massachusetts. But yeah. uh, Kenta got uh, pummeled in that, that. You haven't seen the match with Marafuji yet, have you? Yeah, yes, I have. Yeah, he, you know, he just took an ass beating in that one. Both guys did, and oh, yeah, I was curious. Was a... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 I was, I was no. waiting for you. I was curious how he would be in this match, considering, but uh, how he was, how he got pummeled in that other match. But he tore shit up, and everyone just beat the piss out of each other. And this was really a great, very good match. Last few minutes were totally off the charts, and uh, Aries pinned Davy after a 450 splash. Yeah, I was uh, I was curious um, because I'm, uh, Sean Radikin at the uh, at the torch said this was the greatest match he's ever seen, and he gave it five stars. Uh, would you agree with that? Greatest match I've ever seen, five stars. No, but I'm not big on snowflakes, but maybe in the four and a half range around there. But this was still an awesome match, and um, it's it's worth buying this show alone. Yeah, th- yeah, it sounds like it was by far the best match of the weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah. Honorably. Yeah, so um, big thumbs up for this one. Lots of nothing was really bad. The only, you know, mildly disappointing part was the the title match. But awesome main event. Uh, you know, pretty logical booking all around. Good matches. So I would definitely give this a big thumbs up for when it comes out on uh, on the DVD. And it sounds like I got the better end of the weekend. Um, yeah, I was hearing getting, about, I was about the, to say the exact same thing. Unlike with a uh, Glory by Honor weekend, uh, this definitely the Friday show. Uh, uh, seems like it was uh, the by far better of the two. Uh, mm-hmm. Philly uh, on on Saturday was excuse me was um, one of the strangest ROH shows I've been to, and not in a good way. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'd say I mean I can't really fault the work of the wrestlers up and down the show. You know, they all worked hard. You know, the the matches were all pretty solid, but I'd say this is one of the rare instances where the booking really got in the way of the show. Mm. And um, you know, hopefully, you know, well, I'll get I'll get into it more detail as we go along, but hopefully, it's kind of a wake up call. But we'll see. Mm. All right, there wasn't a pre-show, was there? I don't see any pre-show results yeah, here. Yeah, but... no, yeah, there was. Uh, there were no. two matches. Um, the first match was uh, Bobby Dempsey and Rhett Titus against uh, Alex Payne and I believe Matt Turner. And uh, you know, there was. I mean, I. Couldn't really. I don't really remember anything about the match other than it seemed a little bit sloppier than the than the student matches usually are. It wasn't wasn't very good. And then the second match was uh, Mitch Franklin against Apocalypse, which was you know just another kind of sloppy match. But it was uh, memorable for Apocalypse's finisher, which was just unbelievable. His uh, it was kind of a splash mountain into a pile driver. Wow! And it was just brutal. Got like even on the pre-show, it got one of the biggest reactions of the whole night. And yeah, it was uh, it was crazy, but. So I mean uh, I'm sure that won't be on the DVD, but yeah, you know, oops, I'm sh- you know I'm sure he will not he will use that move again. So keep an eye out for it if you ever see Apocalypse wrestle. 
Poor Mitch. Is, uh, Apocalypse is the Canadian guy, right? I think he works New New Japan some? Something like that. I believe so, and he's. Uh, I think he's buddies with Brian Danielson. I remember listening to an interview with Danielson a few months ago saying that he was trying to get Apocalypse booked more. Oh, well, there you go. All right, I guess in the opener we had Christopher Daniels beating Matt Cross, who otherwise known as M-Dog 20. Yeah, one of the uh, better matches of the night, I would say. Um, you know, not, nothing too fancy, but... Uh, gave uh, M-Dog a chance to show off some of his uh, more athletic stuff, you know, a lot of his uh, big uh, dive fakeouts and what have you. Did uh, an awesome space-flying tiger drop that uh, everyone went nuts for. Um, other than that, it was just pretty basic. Daniels won with the, um, with the Angels' wings. And, they, um, and then after the match, Chris Hero and Claudio ran through the crowd, attacked Daniels, and, and then they were jumped by uh, Seidel, uh, Aries, and Strong, who... Um, and then uh, they brawled out through the crowd. Daniels remained in the ring, and he uh, he said that uh, Seidel and himself would take the titles from the Kings of Wrestling, and uh, that was that pretty hot segment. Uh, Should got off to a good start. Okay. And uh, got a little bit weird from there. Yeah, we had uh, Jim Cornette coming down with Shane Hagedorn, so fill us in on this. All right. Uh, well, I mean, it started out just like your typical Cornette promo. He kind of he ran down Homicide. He uh, he did you know some of his race baiting stuff, which I don't think Philly was really the crowd to do it in because unlike in mm. New York, the crowd I mean for Ring of Honor even in New York, but to a greater extent in Philly, um, the crowd it was you know mostly white, white suburbanites and yeah. it wasn't really the type of people that were really going to respond to you know immigration talk and what have you. So this was met with some apathy, a few boring chants, shut the f up chants, stuff like that. But it really did go on for much too long. Cornette made some stipulations for um, for the main event, which was the fight without honor with Carino against Homicide. And he said that it would be anything goes only for Carino and that Homicide would have to follow the rules and that Homicide, in order to pin Carino, would have to pin it, get him down for a 10 count and that Shane Hagerdorn would be the special referee for the match. So uh, the crowd wasn't too happy about that because that's a little bit goofy for Ring of Honor. And um, he was interrupted by uh, by Homicide's music, and the Rottweilers came out along with Conan, and got one of the lesser responses I can remember for Homicide, because I think this whole angle was kind of, I don't know, I, don't, I think the people kind of didn't know what to make of it. It just wasn't usual ROH fare. Mm. So uh, Conan came out. Uh, but his mic was a little was turned up a little bit high, so I couldn't totally understand everything he was saying. But he basically made a few uh, few uh, jokes at Cornette's expense, and he he said that Ricky Reyes wanted to challenge uh, um, Hagedorn right then and there since he hadn't been getting booked recently. So they went to that match, and um, I actually was having a discussion with somebody who was talking, but we were talking about how some people seem to complain a lot about ROH's shows going on too long. Um, mm-hmm. Even even if even if they qualify by saying like it's the greatest show they ever they've ever been to or what have you, and I always thought that was a little bit silly, like. Four hours, like it's usually, like they're no longer than four hours. Sometimes maybe slightly, and I'd say if, if the show's really good, that's fine by me. You know, the four hours yeah. isn't so long. But in a, in, a, in an instance like this where they had a match where, you know, you can pretty much predict that no one's really going to care about Ricky Reyes against Shane Hagedorn, and like and, and that makes the show go significantly longer. And plus all the uh, extra promos that they've been having, I think it is a little bit overboard. But that being yeah. said, this was a uh, this was kind of a nothing match. And uh, Reyes won with his uh, his dragon sleeper, 
and uh, he held on, he held the hold on for about 30 seconds after the bell rang and the crowd chanted "Don't let go," and so that led to a led to, led to an angle with uh, Hagedorn being too injured to referee the match later on. Hmm. So that led to more stuff later on. But okay. yeah, not, nothing nothing doing there. All right. And uh, up next we had Four Corner Survival. We had uh, Colt Cabana, B.J. Whitmer, Tank Toland, and Pelly Primo. Tell us about this one. All right, this was uh, this was another one of the more fun parts of the uh, of the evening. You know, the match itself was mostly comedy. Uh, you had uh, Toland came out first, and the crowd chanted, "You're on steroids," and uh, they immediately hated him because of what I guess his body represented. Hmm. But um, most of the match involved. Uh, the three other guys kind of uh, taking turns beating up on Primo with a uh, cult acting giddy every time he was tagged in to uh, getting a chance to uh, beat him up a little bit more. Uh, and also a uh, uh, cult would uh, tease Toland uh, doing bicep poses and whatnot. But um, yeah, but like I said, most, mostly comedy throughout until the very end when um, Primo got a surprise roll up on Toland. And, and I know, I've been to a lot of Ring of Honor shows in the past uh, year and a half or so. I've been to the Cage of Death show, uh, Joe vs. Kobashi, uh, 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 the show in New York in, in September. This was one of the biggest pops I've heard of any of the Ring of Honor shows. Hmm. Like, it, it probably wasn't uh, Kobashi level, but other than that, it, I mean, it was really one of the biggest I've ever heard. And the place just exploded. Uh, he crowd surfed up to the top of the bleachers. And, and I think his mother, I believe, was in the audience, and he gave her a hug. And, just, and people were going nuts. It was a really, really cool moment. I huh. Then he came back to the ring, and uh, Cabana and uh, and Whitmer looked befuddled, but they kind of shook their heads and, and shook uh, Pelly's hand. Uh, Tolan teased shaking uh, Pelly's hand, but then he uh, decided to just walk away, which got a good deal of heat. But yeah, this was, huh. a, this was a fun moment. I don't know where they can go with it from here, but... I guess I guess maybe like a something of a Mikey Whipwreck angle with him, but uh, as a one-time moment, this was uh, this was something that was fun to be there live for. Yeah, it seems like they're they're going the Mikey Whipwreck route of the the underdog who probably won't win a whole lot, but there'll always be that possibility. Yeah. All right. I don't know if they'll ever recapture this, but no, probably not. But yeah, still Pelly Primo's finest moment. Yep. All right. Up next, we had Dream Partner Tag Match. We had Samoa Joe and Nigel McGuinness beating Brian Danielson and Jimmy Rave when uh, McGuinness hit a, a clothesline. Yep, the, uh, the pendulum or uh, rebound or whatever you want to call it, Larry. Sure. Um, this was, uh, was uh, kind of, I mean, it was maybe a little bit disappointing, if, I mean, depending on what you expected. I kind of actually expected exactly what we got, which was, you know, a, more of a basic story-based match. Um just to start out, uh, they threw toilet paper at Rave and Danielson, and Danielson just calmly collected all of the toilet paper in the ring. And then when Joe and McGinnis hit the ring, Danielson just threw a whole bunch of toilet paper in Joe's direction, which was a, f- a funny spot. And then besides that, it was mostly uh, Rave and Danielson beating up on McGinnis and uh, Danielson you know, doing some healing. It seemed like Danielson and Joe, especially Danielson, were kind of taking it easy, which uh, I understand um, given Danielson's condition. In the uh, in the most recent Observer, uh, Meltzer reported that Danielson's you know, shoulders still in really really bad shape, to mm-hmm. the point where they're concerned that they might actually have to have him drop the title before the match with Homicide, especially if this uh, if he you know since he has to wrestle every night on this Noah tour that's coming up in the middle of the month. Yeah. So um, so you know I I completely understand if he wants to take it easy for a match or two. You know he he doesn't really need to 
go all out. He's still really entertaining as a character and just doing subtle heel heel things. And this was a, an entertaining match. It was it was good stuff, um, even despite the fact that it wasn't all out athletic craziness. But um, yeah, um, um, Joe got a hot tag at one point, uh, hit some stuff on Rave. But the uh, the end came when Joe and Danielson brawled to the back and it left Nigel alone with Rave. And Nigel hit the clothesline, got the pin, and then. Uh, there was more toilet paper thrown into the ring, and I'm not sure if this was just like a, pl- a plant throwing toilet paper or what, but Rave freaked out. He jumped into the crowd, and he had to be held back by security from going after the guy, and Nigel got on the mic and told Rave that he had to grow up and that he would never make it in Ring of Honor if he was if he acted like such a baby and that he didn't, that he didn't want both of them to get sued. So, I mean, I, I imagine that they just uh, had someone with the company throw the toilet paper because that seems like it was a, a planned angle. And, uh, yeah, I think they're having a match uh, coming up on one of the the next shows. Uh, McGinnis and in Rave, so mm-hmm. sounds sounds angle like an angle. So we shall see. Yep. All right. Up next, we had Jim Cornette back for a little more uh, weirdness. Yeah, this was. Uh, yeah, this is probably the uh, the weirdest point. I'd say the low point for Ring of Honor is booking as far as top angles go. Um, Cornette came out basically said that Tintagadorn was uh, was taken out and he couldn't have the match the way he wanted to, then the match was canceled, which nobody bought, and that Homicide was fired, which nobody bought. Um, then, the, uh, um, then Conan and Homicide and, and Smokes came back out, and Conan said that he had been talking with the matchmaker and the owner of Ring of Honor, which uh, are two people that usually don't get brought up in storylines. He said that they, uh, they had decided that they were going to give the fans what they wanted, so he had the fans vote by... Um, by round of applause of who they would rather have stay, Cornette or Homicide. And uh, they mildly chose Homicide. Because they didn't seem to care. And uh, so Cornette left. There was a, there was a little bit of a na-na-na-na, uh, hey-hey, goodbye champ, but it didn't really get going. But, yeah, I would I don't know what to, what to make of all that. I mean, when, you know, I was on the show, I believe, right after Cage of Death when I said, you know, that ROH had never really gone this route with the, with the heel promoter against the mm. super face before, but I trusted them to do something different with it, but they really didn't. And it blew up in their face. And, uh, I'd say this is one angle that we can pretty much deem. I mean, I don't know about a failure because that would inv- involve a uh, lowering of DVD sales and ticket sales and stuff. But I'd say artistically it was something of a failure. And, um, you know, the, the one, one good thing about ring of honor is that unlike with WWE who, you know, they can get their feedback from the internet but that's still a very small percentage of their audience. And TNA can get the feedback from the Internet, but they really have to focus on pleasing more than just those people. Mm. Pretty much Ring of Honor's entire fan base is, right, you know, is responding to them right there on their own message board, on you know, Death Valley Driver Board and various places. And they, you know, they know when they're not doing what, they're, uh, what, they're, what their buying public wants. So I imagine that they'll change course and maybe go, tone things back as far as all the angles and stuff go after the response to this show. Yeah, it sounds like um, this uh, angle did not go well, to say the least. It's not like this was, like you said, a big money-trying angle that's going to doom the company. It was just something that just didn't go that well. So I guess that's it for Cornette. I guess he's cutting back on appearances. So right. I'm sure there are better ways to write him out, but there you go. Yeah, well, what's done is done. But yeah. um, I'd say um, that angle hurt for the rest of the show. To, a, to at least some degree. It definitely uh, was one of the things that hurt the following match, which was uh, 
Davy Richards and Delirious against the Briscoes. Mm-hmm. And this was hurt by actually something else also. Uh, as soon as those uh, those four guys got in the ring and the bell rang, there was a military representative standing next to uh, Bobby Cruz, who was sitting at the uh, annou- the, uh, you know, the bell timekeeper's table. And he had him announce at least a couple of times that um, there was a car that needed to be moved. I believe it was a Ford Windstar and because uh, it was blocking some, a tank or some or an army vehicle or <laughs> something like that. And uh, so and at least a few times he announced it to move to the point where Delirious actually, after an announcement was made while they were trying to wrestle, he was standing on the apron and he just screamed at the top of his lungs, Move your car! Like just in, not even gibberish form. He just, he just was pretty pissed uh... off, which got the crowd to chant, Move your car. So uh, um, took, kind of took the crowd out of the match for a while. Actually, for pretty much the entire match. It, I felt bad yeah. for the guys because they, um, they had some bad circumstances to work with. Um, you know, they all worked hard. It was good. Like it was may, Maybe slightly off just due to the crowd being uh, a little bit flat for it and stuff. But um, mm. maybe it'll come off better on DVD. I don't know. But I'd say this was probably the disappointment of the night. Cause I expe- cause, and I think that ROH expected it, too, since they put it in the you know, pre-intermission slot. I expected these guys to go all out and, mm. you know, have their usual crazy athletic high-spot match. But it didn't really pan out that way. It was still fine. But uh, the Briscoes won with the Spike J driller. And, um, yeah, you know, that was that. All right. Uh, post-intermission, we had an ROH tag title match as Hero and Claudio retained their titles over Austin Aries and Roderick Strong by DQ. Yep, and the uh, the first half of this match I thought was really good, I'd, maybe even better than the than the first half of the match from uh, September in New York when the, when Hero and Claudio won the titles. But you know, a lot of healing from Hero got pretty good heat, um, you know, good stuff. And then kind of got goofy about uh, about halfway through with teases with the briefcase and stuff. Uh, Claudio hit Aries with the briefcase like he did in New York, and Aries kicked out. Then there was a ref bump, which. Uh, you know, you can probably count on one hand how many of those there have been in Ring of Honor. Yeah. And, um, yeah, then they went to the DQ. They brawled throughout the uh, arena, brawled into the crowd out the back. Um, I guess the crowd was sort of into the brawl, but it didn't seem like most people were too happy with the way that that was booked. I think it, um, if there wasn't all the goofiness in the first half of the show with Cornette and stuff, they probably would have accepted that finish a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't a bad match, but, you know, just with all... You know, just a few a few weird booking choices all in one show kind of made them all add up to more than this, you know, some of their parts or however you want to put it. But um, I would say that um, no, but here on Claudio continue to look good. They do their old school heel stuff. I'm uh, I'm I've been, I was really interested uh, when uh, Brian Alvarez reported last week that not only was WWE uh, interested in probably going to uh, make an offer to Claudio. But they were also interested in Hero, which I you know I was saying on the, on the last time I was on the show, like that's one of the the like weird dreams that I would that I had as, as an indie wrestling fan just to see that guy on this, on uh, WWE TV because he's so out of place. But you know, you know, with those two guys, I think they could probably fit in on SmackDown, maybe have a heel run with uh, Kendrick and London. Not that I expect that in any way, but I'm just saying it wouldn't be it wouldn't be so weird. No, I remember saying that uh, last time you were on that ROH should bring in Chris Hero because he's not going to go anywhere. He won't be signed by TNA or WWE, which shows what I know. Although I, I think in the recent Observer, um, I think they not, not so much soured on Hero as they weren't super high on him like they were Claudio. So Right, right. And, and if Claudio just, does get... Oh, go ahead. 
And I said uh, they they had, they had had a specific tryout with Claudio, whereas I think someone just saw a tape of Hero yeah. from or something. And um, what do you think is going to happen uh, if Claudio does sign uh, a developmental deal? Who do you think would uh, would get the belts back? Would it be Aries and Strong, or maybe Seidel and Daniels? Well, I was assuming it would be the Briscoes, at least eventually. Mm. But um, you know, I don't know if they were going to they would go from heel to heel. Um, I don't know. It's, I mean, they they I don't know if they've ever done that before, where they've actually put the belt back on somebody. So I think that might be uh, an, a way to go. And you know, Aries and Strong had a really good run as tag team champions. So mm. um, I would say that they'd be the best bet if if they weren't going to put them on the Briscoes. Okay. Uh, up next, we had a match, which was probably the match of the night, and we had Kenta over Matt Seidel. Yeah, this was a uh, this was a great match. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was one of Kenta's very very best in ROH, but mm-hmm. it was definitely the match of the night. Um, a little bit on the short side, but you know they kind of you know did all impact stuff. Um, you know, mostly it was Kenta kicking the crap out of Seidel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, doing that basic stuff, you know, Seidel hit his few comeback spots, the moonsault onto the floor. And uh, the big near fall at the end was when Kenta got Seidel up for the go to sleep. And mm-hmm. Seidel reversed it into uh, his, like, his snap uh, Hurricane Rana that yeah. he does. And that, you know, that near fall got a huge pop. And everyone was on their feet. And Seidel went back to the top rope, but Kenta caught him with the, um, with the ace crusher. Mm-hmm. And then he hit the go to sleep and, you know, placed, gave a big standing ovation. And, you know, I thought it was going to be a really good moment for Seidel, kind of another one of those breakthrough matches that he's had a few of this year. Mm-hmm. But they, they kind of rushed into an angle. They didn't really let Seidel or even Kenta have his have their moment together. They, uh, Joe came right out after the match. And this was, I mean, it was a pretty hot angle, though. Joe got in Kenta's... Well, he, Joe actually at first complimented Kenta, saying that he was probably the best wrestler in the world or the finest competitor or whatever language he used. But then he... Um, he said that he wanted Ken to take a message back to Kobashi and Noah, and I believe he mentioned Morishima by name. And he said that this was in a language that everyone in the world can understand, and then he smacked Ken across the face. And that led to a pretty big pull-apart brawl. Hmm. And, uh, you know, pretty, pretty hot stuff. And once Joe was pulled off Kenta, then Kenta got his little round of applause from the crowd. Because this was billed as uh, Kenta's final match in ROH, which... Uh, I'm going to assume is not actually the case, considering the angle that they did. But it was good stuff, and I guess I guess that means that it's more likely than it was a few months ago that we will at some point see Kenta Kobashi again against Samoa Joe again. Whether that's in a in America or in Japan, I guess we'll be we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think Kenta is already scheduled back in the spring of uh, 07, so we'll see who he brings along. Um, I think Kobashi is not even... He's still recovering from the cancer. He's doing late training now, so... Right, exactly. We may see that. I don't know, but... Anyway, main event time. We had Homicide against Steve Carino in a fight without honor. Yep, and uh, I think this uh, the heat for this was hurt by all the shenanigans earlier because there really wasn't much of it at all. Um, you know, they... I mean, he was, he was... I really didn't think it was it was bad. I thought it was a pretty good brawl. They, they brawled around the crowd. They, um, you know, Homicide... Uh, Use the fork to bust Carino's ear open. I believe it seemed like it was hard way because I don't, I didn't recall Carino blading at any point. Uh, you know, homicide bladed pretty big. Um, you know, they did. You know, your usual brawl spots, table breaking and stuff. Um, can't remember too much specific stuff about it. It wasn't especially memorable. Uh, the Briscoes near the end ran out and did a completely heatless run in against Homicide, and Homicide 
got a mostly heatless uh, kick out um, afterwards. Um, the end came when um, they did a uh, like a, su- a suplex spot or a tornado crusher through a through a table in the ring, and then Homicide hit the lariat for the pin. Then uh, more weirdness after the match. Uh, they did the tip. What is become standard fare for their fights without honor, where the two guys who hate each other more than anything shake hands. But um, uh. this time, besides just shaking hands, Homicide had a um, had a, a, a hair clipper, and he basically said that uh, Conan, um, Ricky Reyes, and Smokes were all there to back him up. That Carino had to stay and get his head shaved, as is traditional in Mexico for some reason. And um, Carino took the mic and said, you know, they fought all over the place, they hate each other's guts, but they respect each other. And Carino said that not only would he stay and shave his head, but he would start it himself. So he took the head clipper, not the head clipper, uh, the, hair, the hair clipper, and, uh, and shaved a big streak down his head and then gave the clippers to Homicide, who proceeded to finish the job. So um, nobody really had any clue what the hell was going on. So they but, they just threw in a, a stip at the end for yeah for no, really no good reason no good reason except I guess Karina was sick of his weird hairstyle I guess but, he couldn't do a hair match with Homicide because there's not a lot to no yeah to he clip was actually, off there yeah he was actually pretty much bald for the show anyway <laughs> maybe so, you could make him he couldn't wear a shirt in the ring anymore <laughs> oh no but um yeah so uh. Yeah, I mean the Kenta match is worth watching. The Primo moment was uh, was fun. There's, you know, the wrestling was mostly good, but um, definitely some ob- obtrusive booking there. Mm. And uh, you know, it's not something that you usually have to say about Ring of Honor, and it was pretty disappointing. But I'm not too concerned that it's going to become a pattern because, like I said, they have direct feedback, and I think uh, Gabe has shown in the past that he knows when to pull back when things aren't working. All right. So, what do you think's on the uh, horizon for Ring of Honor the rest of the year, besides the uh, the Joe Hagedorn feud? <laughs> well, um, I think they. I mean, they're doing more stuff with uh, Joe and Homicide and the Briscoes. I think they're going to have a rematch of their street fight from Detroit in New Jersey at the end of the month, and that was uh, that match got really good reviews on the Detroit show. I've heard that it was, that was a match of the year type of brawl. Um, so that that should be good as long as they don't overbook it and. Um, they have the two shows in Chicago, which I was actually surprised they added, because that's only, like, what, five, six weeks after the last Chicago show? Yeah. And um, so that'll be, um, that'll have a uh, Samoa Joe versus Brian Danielson cage match, which, um, which you know, I mean, uh, no reason to think that won't be great. Um, and then the big one is uh, that they've been building to, hopefully Danielson can make it through the Noah tour and through the Joe match and make it to the match, is... Um, Homicide against Danielson in New York, and I expect that to be the title change if uh, Danielson can make it. I would believe you're right. Is the uh, the cage match with Joe is that a title match or just another a fight? Uh, it's supposed to be a title match. Oh, I okay. I wonder I'm if not, I'm not 100 percent positive, but I believe so. I wonder if they'll have escape the cage rules to win. Seems like most of the ROH cage matches do. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So. On the uh, the Philly show, so thumbs up, thumbs down. Is that a pass on DVD? Wait for it to go on sale, or yeah, I I guess thumbs down. I don't know. Maybe it'll be better on the uh, on the on the DVD because it won't 
it won't be there won't be so many like what the hell's going on moments uh, <laughs> because you know you'll know in advance That's true. mostly. But the uh, the the wrestling was fine. The Kenta match was really really good. I'm I'm gonna say I'll hold off on the DVD until there's a sale, but I might I might change my mind if I if I get a chance to see it again. All right. Uh, speaking of DVDs, when I when I went to the show, I was thinking, well, I'll just get Death Before Dishonor four because I have a a lot of other stuff to watch. I figure that'll be fine for now. But then I saw Glory by Honor Night two was out, and I thought, well, I better pick that up too. And mm-hmm. then of course they had the the buy three get one free sale, so it's like, oh, I can throw in Unified and uh, Glory by Honor Night one too. So. I have a, a, a huge stack of ROH to watch, and uh, I'm very happy. Well, let me tell you that all four... I mean, I haven't actually had a chance to watch too much of the Glory Honor Night 1 DVD, but, you know, I trust what you've already seen it, so you know. But uh-huh. all those DVDs um, are <laughs> were well worth the money. Those were three of the best Ring of Honor shows I've ever seen, especially Glory Honor 5 Night 2. That was just... Um, I, you know, I, watched, I, I also bought that on, uh, on, on Saturday, and I watched... Uh, the main two matches again. And, uh, yeah, they're two of the best matches of the year. I would say Kent versus Danielson is my favorite match of the year. And hmm. definitely among, like, at least the top three, maybe even the best ever of ROH title matches. Hmm. So, um, yeah, very good purchases. Uh, you can hear the full review of that show uh, from uh, the last time I was on. And the Death Before Dishonor show, you can hear the full review of that from the prior time that I was on in July. Well, that's quite a bit of uh, self-promotion there. <laughs> but um, maybe you can answer this question for me. Um, RH DVDs, they always used to go just about, just under three hours. It'd always be like two hours, 59 minutes, whatever. And now they go, they seem with everything on, they go about three and a half hours. Did um, <laughs> did uh, technology change where you still get a good compression rate at three and a half hours? Or? Um, I, be- I mean, I believe, I mean, and they must have just... Yeah, switched to newer DVDs. I remember they made that announcement officially in uh, in April, or Oops. either March or April, that that was going to happen from now on. So I don't know if they got uh, new technology, like new DVDs that they were using, or better compression tactics, or if that it, or if it just looks worse and I haven't been paying close attention. Um, it does seem like there's been a, a, issues with the audio on recent shows. It's been a little bit muffled, and the levels are too high or something. But um, the video quality, is at least... To me, it seemed fine, but yeah, that's um, that's becoming a trend with with a lot of these shows going longer, which uh, has led to them releasing fewer double DVDs, which I guess is a good thing because that's five extra bucks. Sure, you get more bang for your buck on this. So I did uh, just quickly scan Glory Banner Night One, the uh, ending of the Samoa Joe Roderick Strong match, to see if it was as terrifying as I remembered, and uh, yes, it was. Yeah, that was the one match actually on the show that I've watched, and that was a really good match, and that was that was in fact terrifying. Yay gods, that was scary. Yes. But um, I think we're all set, unless you have anything else you'd like to bring up. Nope, just uh, just uh, I hope that uh, you know they uh, they take a hint and they uh, they kind of scale back the booking a little bit and just let the you know let their strong points uh, shine a little bit more over the next few months, but. Uh, other than that, there have been a lot of really good DVDs released lately, so there's plenty of good stuff to check out. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that, that main event from Friday. Yeah. So, um, and uh, if, you, if you are tired of uh, WWE or TNA, uh, do yourself a favor. Try a Ring of Honor DVD. 20 bucks, maybe cheaper, depending on a sale. And uh, this, uh, you'll almost certainly find something you'll like. But that that's uh, all I have to say on that. So Absolutely. I want to thank you for being on. Always a good time, especially on such short notice. Next time we'll uh, 
we'll try to plan this out a bit better. Yeah, no maybe, problem. Maybe around Final Battle, we can do a year in review for Ring of Honor as well. Yeah, that would and, be really uh, awesome. Great. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening, and I implore you to visit JoeVersusTheWorld.com or TheCubsFan.com. We have a full archive of shows, including Matt's previous three appearances, lots of uh, in-depth show reviews on there, plenty of other good stuff. And uh, we have a lot of fun stuff planned for the remainder of 2006, a couple first-time guests, uh, some years in review or year-in-review stuff. And uh, should be a good time. Matt, again, I want to thank you for being on. Any final words? Nope, just thanks for having me, and thanks for listening. All right, again, yes, thanks everyone for listening, and I will talk to you very soon.